Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of May 7th through the 9th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well. Apologies for the slightly delayed episode. Uh, instead of working on this episode Monday night as per usual, I decided to go down to my local AMC theater and catch Godzilla vs. Kong on the big screen before it left theaters. Uh, my local theater is only only having one more showing per day, uh, so it's getting close, I think, to the time when it's going to get pulled. Uh, I'll give my thoughts on that film at the end of this episode. Uh, there's not a ton of box office news, so let's go ahead and get straight this episode. Bang this episode out, shall we? Uh, let's start with the domestic box office numbers. In first place, we have a newcomer from United Artists Recording, uh, the R-rated Jason Statham led uh, Guy Ritchie-directed film Wrath of Man. Uh, it opened in 2,875 theaters to $8.3 million with a per-theater average of $2,890. Um, as a comparison, the Bob Odenkirk R-rated action film that opened a bit more than a month ago uh, and made $6.8 million opening weekend has made about $24.6 million so far, and Guy Ritchie's most recent gangster film, The Gentleman, which opened late January 2020 pre-pandemic, uh, opened to about $10.8 $6 million and closed domestically at $36.4 million. So pretty solid post-pandemic performance, all things considered. Uh, in addition to the $8.3 million domestic it's made so far, it made about another $8 million or so abroad for a total of just over $16 million. Uh, in third, in second place, Demon Slayer hangs in there in its third weekend, making three million in 2,088 theaters. Actually, a gain of 183 theaters uh, for a 53% drop and a per theater average of 1461. Uh, the domestic total so far has hit uh, 39.6 million dollars. Uh, now, last week I said that Demon Slayer is the highest-grossing non-Pokemon anime film to date here in the states, and that's still true. However, it may actually move into the second highest anime film as the Pokemon 2000. Film, the one featuring Lugia, uh, made 43 million in its run. So it'll be, take about another week or so, um, especially if the theater expense continues, for Demon Slayer to get to that second place anime film in domestically, behind, of course, the 1999 Pokemon film with Mewtwo. In third place, Mortal Kombat continues to tumble, uh, dropping 61% in its third week, making $2.4 million in 2,973 theaters for a per theater average of $809. The massive total to date is $37.8 million, with another $35.1 million abroad, bringing its lifetime total to $72.9 million. In fourth place, the film I just watched, Godzilla vs. Kong, made just under $2 million with a 29 percent drop in 2,753 theaters, a per-theater average of $722. The total to date domestically is $93 million in its sixth week. Uh, with another $329 million abroad, it has made $422 million lifetime. Rounding out the top five is Ryan the Last Dragon. Hanging in there as the family-friendly film, it actually gained 39% week-over-week, uh, making $1.9 million in 2,315 theaters and a per-theater average of $829. Now, part of the reason for this increase is that there were actually an additional 505 theaters, a 28% gain in theaters, with the other 10% week-over-week gain coming from a higher per-theater average. Uh, if you remember, when Raya first launched, uh, Regal was not yet open, and then Cinemark refused to carry Raya on principle of the theatrical windows. Uh, with the premiere access window purchase closing last week on Disney Plus for this film, it looks like Cinemark decided to allow Riot to be played, uh, and Regal also reached a deal to sell the film, so that's where the extra gas in the tank came from. Uh, with this boost, it, should, it made just under $44 million domestically to date, 
with another $62 million abroad for just about $106 million, life, uh, million dollars lifetime worldwide, here's the hoping it can cross $50 million uh, domestically. Now, outside the top five, we have another new film in here today, a dramedy from Sony Pictures starring Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish. Didn't really get much marketing on this at all, uh, and as a result, did not make much of a splash. Only about a million dollars in 1,200 theaters for a per theater average of $868. Uh, overall, domestic box office held pretty steadily, uh, $23.5 million this week versus last week's $24.3 million. Uh, this, week, there were three this coming week, there were three wide releases to keep an eye on. Uh, Finding You is a coming-of-age comedy drama from Roadside Attractions. Don't think it'll do that much. Um, and then there are Those Who Wish Me Dead, a neo-Western thriller starring Angelina Jolie. Uh, that one actually is a Warner Brothers film, so it'll have the theatrical and HBO Max simultaneous release. Uh, and then by pick. My pick for top ghosting film this coming weekend is Spiral, a horror film that's the ninth entry in the Saw film franchise uh, starring Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson, brought to you by Lionsgate. Uh, in addition, while its Netflix release date is going to be on May 21st, Zack Snyder's zombie film Army of the Dead, starring Dave Bautista, will have an exclusive theatrical release for one week in select Cinemark theaters, about 200 or so, with other chains joining into this IPIC landmark Alamo Drafthouse and more for a total of 600 theaters uh, this weekend for a one-week exclusive release window. Um, not sure if Netflix will report on the numbers it makes theatrically, um, but it's interesting to see that Cinemark, uh, of the big three at least, are working with Netflix on these limited theatrical runs. Now, overseas in Japan, the new Evangelion film hit $75.7 million U.S. million, beating the domestic gross of Sin Godzilla at $75.4 million, making it director Hideaki Arno's highest-grossing film to date. Also out of Japan, they just announced a new Dragon Ball Super movie by Akira Toriyama will, will be made, uh, writing the screenplay. Uh, so no further details yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing that eventually make its way stateside again. Uh, over in the UK, Cineworld announced that they will be reopening May 19th as lockdown restrictions are eased. Uh, moving over to the Chinese box office in first place, we have last week's second place film coming up to number one with Cliff Walkers from Zhang Yimou making 24.5 million US dollars. Lifetime total sits at 118.4 million dollars. Uh, in second place, last week's fifth place film sought up, uh, you know, police thriller Breakthrough the Darkness uh, made 13.9 million US dollars. Lifetime total now sits at 34.7 million dollars. In third place, last week's first place film dropped down after the poor ratings. My Love made only $9 million this weekend for a total lifetime of $114.5 million US dollars. In fourth place, hanging in steady again from fourth place last week, Once Upon a Time in Hong Kong, starring Tony Leung, made $5.2 million for a lifetime total of $32 million. And rounding out the top five is last week's third place film, a thriller Home Sweet Home, making $2 million for a lifetime total of $32 million US dollars. Out of Japan, uh, also some news, the five-day May Day total, Saturday through Wednesday, was 258 million US dollars or 1.67 billion yen. Uh, this is a new record for the holiday, though these records for the holiday periods are varying length. Uh, the previous record was uh, the 2019 period, which is a four-day period with 1.53 billion yen. Um, however, this year was notable as, the, as there were no Hollywood films, such as Avengers Endgame in 2019 or Fate of the Furies in 2017. Uh, speaking of, we have two fight. We two fighters away from F9 debuting in China, so that should be exciting to keep an eye out for. Uh, Wrath of Man also debuted in China yesterday on Monday, so it looks like it's going to be hanging on to its second place uh, over there uh, behind Cliffwalkers based on the daily totals.
Now moving over to other headlines, uh, a quick change to the release schedule. Instead of premiering in theaters, Sony has decided to move the Camila Cabello uh, Cinderella film to Amazon Prime. It was originally set to air on uh, February 5th, but got pushed back to July 16th. Um, the films premiering on that date are now Escape Room 2 and the Space Jam sequel with Black Widow the weekend before, which may have factored into the calculus to move it and sell it to Amazon. No set date when Amazon's going to be releasing Cinderella. Uh, we'll probably have an episode in the future also speaking about the summer schedule a bit closer to the end of the month. Uh, some other corporate headlines to take a look at. Uh, Paramount said on their new Paramount Plus service, they, have, they will be releasing a new original film uh, a week starting in 2022. I anticipate most of these to be lifetime direct-to-video quality of film, so hopefully they don't get the bright idea to try to pull something from the theatrical release schedule uh, to help to meet this quarter. Uh, in addition, Viacom CBS said that they added 6 billion, uh, sorry, 6 million global streaming subscribers uh, driven predominantly by Paramount Plus for a total now of 36 million paying subscribers. Uh, Nintendo recently appointed the head of Illumination as a new member of their board of directors, suggesting that there will be many, many more animated films using Nintendo IPs in the future. If it means fewer minion movies because Illumination is too busy, I'm all for that. And then also AMC released their quarterly numbers. I won't bore you with all the financial details, but A, they're still losing money, though not as much as a year ago. B, they lost a bit more money than analysts were hoping they would, which isn't great, but not to the degree that it's super terrible. And then C, CEO Adam Aaron sounded out Wall Street's bets during the investor call for helping them raise the stock price earlier in Q1 to help lighten AMC's debt load, uh, which all told, I think, is a win in my book. I mean, both Aaron and AMC were making a $50,000 donation, to a guerrilla conservation fund as a, as a nod to Wall Street uh, bets users calling themselves apes and for King Kong's success helping the box office. So yeah, the meme just lives on. And finally, I did say it was a slow week. Uh, this is probably better suited for my Oscars Death Race podcast, but that's on hiatus for now, so you guys get this news. Uh, due to ongoing controversy regarding diversity and inclusion surrounding the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the organization of about 90 journalists who put on the Golden Globes each year, um, that, there has been a general boycott of the HFPA and by extension the Globes. It started with Amazon, Warner Media, and Netflix opting to boycott the association in the upcoming award season, meaning they won't be submitting their film for consideration. Uh, and then NBC, the network that has the airing rights for the Globes, announced they would not air the ceremony in 2022. And even actors like Tom Cruise have returned their Globes in protest. So yeah, that's definitely a thing in the movie world that not particularly relevant right now for box office, but uh, could have an impact maybe for the awards contenders that, you know, for example, 1917, when it won a bunch of stuff at the Golden Globes, probably saw a bit of a higher release than it normally would have um, because of that hype. Uh, anyway, that's all the news, so as promised, here are my thoughts on Godzilla v Kong. Having seen it last night, spoiler for anyone who somehow hasn't seen the film yet. Uh, I will say I haven't seen every Godzilla or Kong film out there, but you know I have seen all the Monster Monsterverse, the Hollywood Monsterverse films, as well as the aforementioned Sin Godzilla, which is, for my money, still the best Godzilla film out there that I've seen. Uh, of the Monsterverse films, my definitely was fav my favorite was definitely King of the Monsters. I know it gets a bad rap and didn't do so well at the box office, but I mean, I just wanted to see Monsters King to sit over each other, and that's exactly what I got for a solid two hours, which more or less uh, made the film for me. Uh, and maybe seeing it in the true IMAX format at the Lincoln Center AMC uh, definitely helped with that a lot. Anyway, as far as Godzilla vs. Kong goes, it was 
enjoyable enough, you know, particularly in the versus moments of Godzilla fighting Kong. Um, I think Kong running around the Lost World was pretty great, and honestly, wouldn't be surprised if this got nominated for visual effects and best sound at best year's at next year's Oscars. However, I do think this suffered the issues of the first Godzilla MonsterVerse film in that there was too much human nonsense going on, and not enough uh, monsters. Um, in particular, the conspiracy trio with Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown were. You know, pretty much useless the entire film and added like nothing at all that could have been done cleaner with even more thematic nuance um, that, that could have been done. Um, I feel there's probably a larger story there that unfortunately got chopped a bit too harshly with various stories threads being woven in that were never picked up again. So a bit of a mess narratively. Um, but that's all forgiven for the you know pretty banging final fight with Mecha Godzilla, which this felt absolutely brutal. Um, I will say they definitely added a lot more characterization for Kong here, not so much for Godzilla, which may have to do with you know. Toho wanting Godzilla to be an unknowable force of nature, but just wanted to see more Godzilla, man. Though, as someone on Godzilla, Team Godzilla, I will say I'm happy we got a conclusive ending that Godzilla held onto his title as King of the Monsters. Um, overall, gave it a 3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Suit my ideas for the else I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on Spotify, YouTube, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review or at the very least tell a movie-loving friend that any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which helps me not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all of that in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Mm-hmm.